Amen. You can be seated. Good morning, Hope Church. It is good to be here this morning. If this is your first time here with us, welcome. We're glad that you could join us this morning. Uh, my name is David Mathis. Um, I'm the English pastor here. Ruben Barbosa over here is our Spanish pastor. Um, God has put us together as a church that's got two languages, but we're one body, one family, and one hope of Jesus Christ. So in two weeks, when we have what we're calling our One Hope service, I hope you can join us for that. It's, um, I think it's something that's going to be really cool in the life of this church, uh, because we truly want to be one body, and we want to fellowship together as one body. And uh, on the 24th, when we come together, we're going to meet, again, at the, at the regular time of the English service, uh, but we'll have all of us here. Um, so this service, it's easy. You just show up at the normal time. Um, but, but we'll have a setup um, where we're going to worship. Um, we're going to have communion together uh, for the first time as a body. Uh, we're going to have child dedication. So if, if you have a child you want to dedicate to the Lord, let us know. You can put that on a contact card, and we'll reach out to you this week. Um, you can be a part of that. Um, looking forward to what God is doing in this church. It's certainly his work. What's going on here? Um, we're continuing our journey through the book of Ephesians. In the strength of his might has been the theme of this study. Uh, and as we've come through the book of Ephesians, we've finished chapters one and two, and we've seen the purpose of God towards us, the love of God realized in his son. And uh, there's been a, a, a lot that we've covered that's, that's from the beginning, just the, the eternal perspective, God's perspective of his purpose towards us uh, and his love and, and realizing in Christ. And then in chapter two, uh, our experience of that and, and our experience of that, not just as individuals, but as a people of what God is creating here in us. So my question for us this morning as we're getting into chapter three, we've seen God's purpose for us. What is our own purpose in our own life? When I get up in the morning and I'm getting ready for work or for whatever the day holds for me, what are the purposes that, that are ahead of me that I'm working towards? I know in my life um, that has changed over time for different seasons. I remember uh, just getting ready to, to graduate high school. Um, looking back, it doesn't seem like it was such a big deal, but at the time it was I'd, we lived out in the country, and I needed a, a car to get a job. I needed a job to get a car. And how in the world am I going to reconcile this? That, that was my purpose in life, was to figure out how I was going to, to reconcile that. And then you get past that, and, and you're looking at college and, and career and, and, and your choice of what direction you're going to take in life. There's big life decisions to make, and that, that was a lot of the purpose that I woke up thinking about in my life. And then, and then dating, oh my goodness. That, that was not something that, that I had any idea how that was going to work. Praise the Lord that he brought my wife into my life. And then the purpose of my life then was, okay, I want to marry this girl. And then, and then we get married, and then you have this time where we wanted to have kids. We tried for years to have kids, finally adopting Andy, and then God brought on the kids, and it was a wonderful thing. But these different seasons of our life, the purpose that we had that we were working towards was different. And this morning, what we're going to look at is Paul is going to talk about his view of his own life. 
and his view of the purpose of his life. And I hope that in this we can get some insight into how we can better see the purpose of our life. So let's look, if you turn with me in Ephesians to chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, for this reason, for what reason? For all of that we've covered so far in chapters 1 and 2. For the reason that because God has has loved us so much that he sent his son, that that he wants us to be holy and blameless before him, that he he wants to adopt us as his children, like we just sang about, that that we're a child of God, that he has prepared a place for us in heaven, and and that he wants us to be a part of his plan to unite all things in Christ, and and his purpose, uh, not just as individuals having saved us out of sin to be made alive in Christ, but as a people to be one, Jews and Gentiles, one in Christ, that, that now he's, he's founded by the apostles and prophets, uh, and, but with Christ being the cornerstone, that everything is built up in him by the power of the Spirit to be this building that is the presence of God. All, all of that is the, is, is the reason that he's saying here, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and on behalf of you Gentiles, and then he pauses, and he he is not going to continue. I'm getting an echo. <laughs> we got Facebook Live going right there. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, and he pauses, and he's not going to pick up that thread of thought again until verse 14. We've got this giant parentheses, and he's going to explain what he means by Paul, a prisoner of For Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles from verses 2 through 13. So next week, we can pick up what he's talking about for this reason. But meanwhile, we're going to take a giant rabbit trail. Paul is is king of the rabbit trails, but they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to follow him on this rabbit trail, um, explaining what he means by Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, and and he ends it in verse 13 saying, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. So he's he's addressing their their concern, possibly. I I would be concerned. Um, Paul had been for two years in in Ephesus, and, and through Paul's work there, the gospel spread throughout all of Asia Minor, and, and they knew... Uh, the gospel, and they knew of Christ because of Paul, and now they've heard that Paul was in prison in, in Caesarea near Jerusalem for two years, and then he was transferred to, to Rome, and now he's a prisoner in Rome. Of course, they're going to have concern over Paul, but he's going to say, no, look, here's the perspective, my perspective on my life and the purpose of why I'm here. So before we continue, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Again, Father, we confess that apart from your Holy Spirit illuminating your word, we're not going to truly understand it in a way that's going to affect our lives. So God, I pray that you'd open our eyes to your truth. And as you inspired Paul to write this giant parentheses, as you inspired him to explain the circumstances of his life and how he viewed them, God, help us to take a fresh look at our own life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
All right, so in verse 1 here, he says, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus. He had been a prisoner in Caesarea. He's now a prisoner in Rome. That's not how he identifies his imprisonment. He says, I'm a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. And in the next chapter, in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. When he looks at the circumstances of his life, right away he's saying, the purposes of my life align with the purposes of God. So when we're looking at this Paul perspective, he's seeing the purposes of God. Do we see the purpose of God when we look at where we're at? Right now, none of us are in prison, unless, actually, this could be this Facebook Live. If you're in prison right now listening to this, it's possible. Do you see yourself in whatever your position is as that being for Jesus Christ? I'm still uh, working three days a week as an enterprise architect up at a software company in, in Austin. Am, am I just, you know, kind of doing this, this dual thing uh, and, and pursuing a career on the side as this independent thing? Or, or is that enterprise architect for Jesus Christ? Where are you at right now? Maybe, maybe you're in one of those scenarios that I described early on, looking at career path, looking uh, before school, during school, after school, marriage, future, kids, career. Uh, wherever you're at right now, that thing that, that most identifies you Is that, in your mind, for Christ? Something for us to take a fresh look at. So as we're looking in in here, there's three purposes that that I'm pulling from here. Now, we've already looked at a lot of the purposes of God towards us. Um, But this is now a fresh perspective of, of Paul looking at his own life, his own life which has been saved, which which has been made new in Christ, and now he's saying, here's the purposes of God at work in my life. So there's three purposes uh, that I want us to look into. Um, in verse 2, he continues. He says, assuming, says, for, he had said, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. What is the stewardship of God's grace given to Paul for us? It's his testimony. He's given his testimony many times over um, in the Bible here. There's a few times he, he gives it, and you know, we see his testimony in the book of Acts, um, and he mentions it in other letters. Um, Paul was, uh, he was a Jew. He grew up circumcised on the eighth day. He was, he was of the tribe of Benjamin. Um, he called himself the Hebrew of Hebrews. He followed the law from an early age. He was trained there in Jerusalem, and, and he, he became a Pharisee. He was an expert in the law. So he would have been one of the Pharisees there seeing Jesus during the lifetime of Jesus. But he was also one of the Pharisees that rejected Jesus. And then, and then when Jesus died and this, this movement called The Way uh, came up, and, and these Christians still proclaimed that Jesus had, had risen from the dead, and he was among then the, the Pharisees that were against that, blasphemy. And so he persecuted the Christians. He persecuted believers. He stood there when, when Stephen 
was stoned to death, kind of guarding the garments of all of those that were throwing stones, and he, and he approved what was happening there. This was Paul. Turn with me to, uh, to Acts chapter 26, one of the places where we see his testimony. We're just going to read a piece of it. In this situation, this was, uh, this was actually at the end of his imprisonment in Caesarea before he's going to be transferred to Rome, and he's standing before uh, King Agrippa, and boy, God gave him some places to, to give his testimony, and he didn't hold back. Um, but here, uh, in Acts chapter 26, starting in verse 9, Paul says, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection with foreign cities, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests to further persecute the church. At midday, on his way to Damascus, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. See, goads were these like a pointed stick that they would prod cattle with. And, and if the cattle kicked against them, they'd hurt themselves doing that. So he's saying, Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? I, I don't believe this is the first time the Spirit of God, or in this case, Christ, has been pressing into Paul. Paul there, hearing Christ, seeing all these things, I can imagine that he's been resisting what God has been pressing into his life. And Jesus now is saying, why are you kicking against the goads of me, the Holy Spirit goading you? And, and, I, and I asked, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. Here's the purpose of his life. To appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. So he's, Christ is commissioning him to go to the Gentiles from the very beginning of his conversion here to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. There's the purpose that Paul saw in his life came from Christ's calling on his life. So the first purpose is the calling on my life. Do you see God's calling on your life? 
Let's look, continuing, starting from verse 2 again. Assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was giving, given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. He's not making a big deal of himself there. He's just stating the truth of the situation. He has been given this stewardship from Christ, this insight, which he's described in the past two chapters, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That's the holy apostles and prophets that are the foundation of the church. And Christ is the cornerstone. And Paul is a part of that, God's plan in building his church. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. So God's purpose realized first now, now in in establishing the foundation of the church. That's, that's part of when Paul sees the purpose of his life, he sees God's calling to establish this church, and Paul is a part of that. Going back, I'm going I'm to read back through, starting in verse 6. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body. So this is a mystery that was given, given to Paul. Um, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. How does he see himself? He sees himself as the least. He says, even I, Paul, who persecuted the church, have been saved, and God has given me this purpose. By grace, he has given me this purpose. And it's his power working in me. Now I get to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's how he viewed his life and the purpose of his life. So do we see the calling in our own life? What is the calling that God has called you to? It's, it's probably not to be a foundational element of the church like Paul's was. Um, but we are a part of what God is building up in the church. And there is most definitely a calling that God has called us to individually. And we're going to learn more about that later in this book. But even just in chapter 4, verse 1, the language of Paul is, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We all have a calling. And when we look at our life and our perspective of our life, we need to see what is God's calling on my life into this circumstance. Paul certainly saw it in the circumstance that he was in. All right, the second thing the purpose of God that Paul saw at work in his life. We see there in verses 9 through 12, it was to display God's wisdom. In verse 9, he says, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. 
so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we've talked about before that those rulers and authorities in heavenly places, that's Satan and his powers, but it's also the angels. It's all rulers and authorities in heavenly places. And to the angels, we read in, in the book of Luke that, that any time a sinner repents, that there's rejoicing in heaven, that the angels rejoice over that. We read in 1 Peter, as he's talking about our salvation and the grace that we have through Jesus Christ, that these things are things that the angels long to look into. So what God is doing here in this church is something that's a testimony that the angels are excited about, that they rejoice over. But then to Satan and his rulers and authorities and powers in heavenly places. In Colossians chapter two, we read that they have been disarmed through the cross through the work of Christ on the cross, that he has put them to open shame and triumphed over them. So it's before these rulers and authorities that God's purpose is happening here in Paul and in the church and in the work that's happening here in the church that God's wisdom is now made known. His manifold wisdom is something we don't even see. It's kind of like we're not even a part of it, but we are a part of it because it's God's work in us that is the testimony of God's wisdom of how he has worked from the beginning of time until now and how he has saved us through his son. So now the work of <laughs> now the wisdom of God is at work in us. Let's look in in Colossians uh, 2 Corinthians sorry in chapter four. If I can get there. Starting in verse five, I think, is what I had in mind. Paul writing to the Corinthians says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God, our salvation. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So writing to the Corinthians, he's saying it's, it's not us that we're proclaiming, it's Jesus, and this is the wisdom of God that we're proclaiming. For God, in verse 6, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show, what the surpassing, show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So the incredible wisdom of God realized in Christ, now in our hearts, shining in us, is, is this treasure in jars of clay. We're the jars of clay. We're not the thing that is, that is the treasure. We're the thing containing the treasure.
what is the wisdom of God at work in our life? It's going to be counter to what the wisdom of the world is. The wisdom of God says, if someone asks you to walk a mile, walk two miles with them. The wisdom of God says, if someone slaps you across the cheek, you turn the other cheek. The wisdom of God says, if someone takes your, your cloak, hand them your tunic also. That's not, that's not what we say today. It'd be more like, if someone wants your jacket, also hand them your shirt and check your shoe size, because maybe that matches theirs too. They need clothes, so give it to them. That's, that's the wisdom of God. It says, if someone's stealing your TV, make sure they have the remote. <laughs> the wisdom of God doesn't make sense in the wisdom of man. And when we look at the wisdom of God, we say, wait a second, I'm going to be taken advantage of. Wait a second. How does that work? Because when people realize that I'm just going to go along with how they're, how they're hurting me and I'm going to love them back over and over again, Aren't they gonna take advantage of that? How, how am I going to survive if I'm not taking care of my own needs? But the wisdom of God is that everything I need is gonna be found in God and he's gonna supply every need. Paul continues here. We have this treasure in jars of clay. And the reason is to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. So if someone is stealing my TV, well, maybe I don't need a TV right now, but the power belongs to God. If I do need a TV, he'll provide a TV. Or maybe following the wisdom of God is to take a big chunk of your church, like Fellowship did, and send them not very far away, just to the other side of town. How's that going to work? Those people tithe. Those people are part of critical parts of our ministry. You just sent our worship pastor. But we're not trusting in those things. We're trusting in the power of God. And so then what happens? It says in verse eight, we are afflicted in every way. Yes, we do end up experiencing affliction. But we're not crushed. We're perplexed. We don't understand. God, what's going on here? But he's got a purpose we don't see. So we're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. Yes, we're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Christ so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our bodies. If my TV is stolen and I give the person a remote and that opens the possibility for me to share Christ with them when they come to know the Lord, take my TV, take everything I have. Jesus went to the cross for me paid the ultimate price so that I could know him. How can I do anything less for the people that are around me? And I've got the power of Christ at work within me so I don't have to worry about the things that I have. We take a fresh perspective on our life. What's God's purpose? It's the wisdom of God that leads us to do things that don't make sense to those around us. When Elizabeth and I were um, looking at moving to, to Texas, that was at a time where 
we had ideas in our heads about where God was leading us, but we didn't know the ultimate reason. To leave our family and to leave our, our kids loved being there in California. They loved being close to their cousins. It was not easy for them to leave, but we believed that God was leading us to make some big changes, to get our house in order. Two things he put on our heart. One, to know him better, and two, to prepare our family for whatever he had next. He didn't give us any more direction than that. And so we had all these ideas. We had all these fanciful ideas. You know, maybe we could become road schoolers. Wouldn't that be cool? I still would love to just live in an RV and just go anywhere and have that be part of homeschooling. There's a weird side of your pastor there. That's not where he ended up taking us. But we had that, you know, maybe that's what it is that God's gonna do. But it's the wisdom of God to follow him and trust him, and that's what we did. And as a result, he's brought us here. This is so much better than road schooling, I tell you. Praise the Lord for what he's doing. When we follow God, it doesn't necessarily look in a way that is the wisdom of man. I'm, I'm working myself out of the job up in Austin. Praise the Lord for that. It's not something great about me. It's, it's something great about what God has brought me to, that this is more valuable than that career. And I trust that God's going to use, somehow continue to use what he's built in me. I've been programming since I was seven, so I, I won't add up the years. It's been a long time of programming. I'm sure he's gonna use that in some way, but it's not my strength. It's his strength. So even if I never write another piece of software again in my life, praise the Lord, he is working through me in what is not my strengths but my weaknesses and his purpose in my life, not my purpose. Now my purpose has become his purpose. That doesn't mean that you have to leave your job in order for you to be a part of the purpose of God. Where has God placed you? Do you see that as the purpose of God, that he is using that for his purposes, something that we don't necessarily see? So when we wake up in the morning, what goes through our head? What do we, what's our normal Monday morning look like? It's just around the corner. Are we dwelling already on the failures of yesterday? Are we replaying those conversations where our ego was hurt and we're trying to, to figure out, uh, okay, uh, what I could have said this or I could have said that, and, and oh, I've got this zinger. Next time that comes up, I'm going to respond this way. Or maybe something's going on at work where we've got conflict with someone and now I haven't been promoted. Instead, I've been put over here and I'm going, boy, God, I really should have, I should have been promoted. And, and this is all messed up. Are we seeing that the wisdom of God has taken us to a new place where he is gonna use us in a way that we don't see yet? Paul said, I am a prisoner for Jesus Christ. Are you a disgruntled employee or are you an employee who has been wrongly treated and displaced to a place where God is gonna use you for Jesus Christ? What a change of perspective that God can give us in our life. What are we struggling through? 
that's potentially the purpose of God and not just our own personal struggle. All right, the final purpose that's here, that's central to Paul's view of his life's purpose is the gospel of Christ. The purpose of God in our life is the gospel of Christ. Look with me, uh, uh, or to save sinners is what I have on the, on the fill-in. Uh, looking again in verse 7, Paul says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, Paul, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. To me, Paul, even Paul, the persecutor of the church. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Get a little more of Paul's perspective on his own life. Starting in verse 12. Paul says, I thank him, which by the way, this is Paul writing a letter to Timothy, who's in Ephesus. So this is kind of another letter to Ephesus, but it's targeting a leader in the church rather than the whole church. And he says, where was I? In verse 12. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me, Paul, faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Do you see the heart and emotion of Paul? Paul has found the unsearchable riches of Christ in his own life. And now that's overflowing in what his life purpose is. Yes, he's got this unique purpose as an apostle, as a sent one, to establish the foundation of the church. But to us, it's the same thing that the, the, the riches of Christ that we have found are meant to overflow into the purpose of our life, to reach those around us. What a perspective change. So Paul, as he's, as he's here explaining to the Ephesians to say, here, this is the condition of my life. Yes, I was in prison in Caesarea. Yes, I was transferred now to Rome, and I'm imprisoned in Rome. But I want you to see this from my perspective, that these things are not an accident, that these things have a purpose. And so finally, in verse 13, when he wraps this up, he says, so I ask you, Ephesians, not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory, because this purpose that God is working now through my imprisonment. If we, if we turn one more, one more place to turn in, in Philippians chapter one. Philippians is also a book that was written, or it's a letter that was written by Paul um, while he was imprisoned in Rome. Uh, it's a letter written to, the, to Philippi, to the church in Philippi, which I guess if you go there today, they don't call it Philippi, it's Philippi or something like that. But 
the church in Philippi. But he, in, in writing to the Philippians, he's describing more of his situation, his perspective of his situation there imprisoned in Rome. And in verse 12 in chapter 1, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You see, there at the core of his thinking is, is the gospel, God's purpose to spread the gospel. And he sees how what God has worked through this whole process has been to, to advance the gospel. And he says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. Uh, that imperial guard is actually the praetorium guard, which is this, this guard of 10,000 elite soldiers surrounding the emperor. And he's saying that because of this, and, and if you read the account of, uh, in Acts of his transfer under the Roman guard from Caesarea on the boat all the way to Rome, um, that wasn't a smooth ride. And, and the testimony of God's power as they were shipwrecked and everyone was saved, according to how Paul had said God would save them. And just the incredible the way that they got there, that had to have been a story that spread throughout the Roman guard. And now here's Paul, God giving Paul favor among the Roman guard as he's there. And Paul is saying, look what has happened. The circumstance is not something that's just oppressive and, and, and the enemy is not winning here. This is all God's purpose. And now the gospel of Christ has been known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest. I don't know what all the rest are. I just imagine that's probably all throughout there when the capital of Rome. He says that my imprisonment is for Christ. They see it. They know that he's there for Christ. And then he continues and he says, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. He sees the purpose of God at work in his life, even in the things that to us would be, um, well, apart from Christ, would be devastating. How do we see our present circumstances? I know there's difficulties that we're going through right now in this body. It's, it's both, it is the joy of being a pastor to be able to pray for more. And, and it's been wonderful to see the community that God's put in here to pray for each other. If you want to be a part of a lot of the prayer that's going on, there's a group me chat. Um, most of what comes through on that chat is prayer requests and prayer. How do we see the circumstances of our life? We should be able to see them in victory because we know that God has his hand on it. So even in the times where we are just under incredible burden, we can't see necessarily what God is doing. We can trust that the purpose of our life as his child is so much more than adverse circumstances. But like Paul, we can look at it and say, what is God doing? And we can know that the gospel is going to be central to God's purpose in our life. And it's not just saving those around us. He's also working in us. There is a sanctification happening 
to save us. Let's take a fresh perspective. So tomorrow morning when we wake up in the morning, what are we going to do? Are we going to be like what they say is 47% of of smartphone owners and within the first five minutes we're on our phone? And 17% of us is instantly, that's the first thing we do, wake up and phone. I don't know what we're checking. Or do we put that away and we say, first thing foremost, when we wake up tomorrow morning, Monday morning, that what's first on our mind is prayer, to say, God, what's the wisdom that you're working in my life? The people that I'm going to meet today, the issues that I've got to do, the, the, the calendar that's ahead of me. Boy, we're a busy culture right now. God, it, is this day just about me hitting all of these things and surviving? Maybe I don't even have a, a big purpose. I'm, my purpose is just to survive another day. There is a growing level of depression in the United States right now, and more and more people are finding it difficult to even find the motivation to go to work in the morning. Is that where we're at, or are we going to wake up and in prayer say, God, I trust that you have a purpose for me today, and the people that I'm going to talk to are people that you have ordained for me to talk to, and the people that are going to come uh, into my work or into my business, that there's a purpose for them being there, and I'm going to invest my life in them just as you have invested your life in me. Tomorrow morning, what are we going to do? Let's pray. Father, thank you for Paul's perspective that can help to give us a fresh perspective on our own life. God, I pray that even tomorrow morning, that we would think tonight about what we're going to do first thing in the morning. God, don't let us just fall immediately into just the stress and, and turmoil of the day that often is a Monday morning. But give us that moment to first speak to you and to say, God, this is all for you. It's not my purpose, but God, I want my purpose to be your purpose in my life, to see it the way you see it, to see it not under my power trying to get things done, but in your power doing incredible things even in the midst of hard circumstances. God, we want to build our life on you. We want to build our life on the love of Christ, a firm foundation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.